0: You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock.
1: Welcome back to the Call Life Crisis. My name is Daryl. I'm Saraya. On this particular episode, uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, Mm -hmm. So this time around, the topic in which we're talking about is love, career, money and purpose.
0: That's right. And the reason why we're talking about this is because we asked you for your questions yeah. and thank you so much for your questions. Yeah, actually,
1: <laughs> to be really honest, I didn't expect that many responses. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. We've got a lot of input.
0: I think they were so, so varied. while well, they also revolved very much around mm. the things that we're grappling with, right?
1: Yeah, and um, most of these questions, it reaches a point when we're thinking about content to put up on, on this podcast and then it's like, hmm, feels like we've already covered all the crises (laughs) in our lives and then you come up and see oh okay we've got a lot more crises to cover so
0: many more everyone's going through a crisis of their own (laughs) so i guess we should get right into them so i think we're going to kick it off with a fun light-hearted question this question is I find myself having very little patience for things in general when I hit 30. <laughs> Am I the only one? My answer is no. No, you are not. The
1: only one with anger issues, I think. Half of, <laughs> more than half of us have anger issues. <laughs> and
0: it gets worse when you get older.
1: Well, I think I can relate. I always say my biggest weakness is patience. I'm most impatient on the road. If there was a microphone in my car every time I drive on the road, yeah, your ears would pop. Lah. <laughs> well, that's an example. I generally don't like waiting I consider myself a person who is very particular about time and if I find people who are are late it really pisses me off Uh, I'm not saying that I'm always early (laughs) yeah but yeah 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 so I have massive issues with patience as well but I don't know in what sense patience what do you think (laughs) she meant by that I think
0: you know how they say like your tolerance or your threshold for Mm. crap okay the threshold gets lower and lower and lower Uh, uh, the older older you get, get you know Soon enough, I, I, we're going to turn into that. You know, like the old guy on the porch. Get off my lawn, you know? Oh, that guy. That's what I think she's referring to. And the thing is, yeah, you're definitely not alone. Things that I encounter annoy me more these days too in ways that never used to. For example, okay, during MCO, when we were only supposed to be going out of the house for necessities. Mm. Okay, I went to the supermarket to stock up on necessities. And what do I see in front of me? But like a girl who only bought one thing. And that was a giant, giant jar of Nutella. And that's it. And I was so irritated by that and in the past I would have been like oh she likes Nutella me too me too but no I was just like what is wrong with you you're only supposed to go out for necessities how can Nutella be that much of a necessity I don't know I told my dad he was like well maybe it's a necessity to her and I'm like how are you seeing it they say I can't I was so irritated Yeah,
1: Uh, I'm gonna share with you an example of you know going out only when necessary uh, and stuff like that so over the past few days the swimming pool in my apartment opened back Mm. right so we've never seen the pool never touched the pool For the past year or so, right? And then when it opened up, everyone went to the pools. And I've been trying to get to the pool because they only limit the number of people. So it's like a 25 meter pool. Only four people in the pool at a time. And then for the first few days, I've been trying to get to the pool. There were so many kids, you know <laughs> The first time you see a bunch of kids swimming Okay lah, understandable lah huh? You so long never enter the pool Second day you go, the same bunch of kids Third day you go, the same bunch of kids You know, that's when my threshold hits Like what the hell, like, you know I mean, when, when, when are we gonna go? Because first come, first serve, we work These kids start hogging the pool by 5 o'clock. So
0: you are that old guy on the porch being like, kids, get out of my pool! (laughs) (laughs) It's not get off my lawn, Uh, it's get out of my pool! Yeah. So we just want to start it off with a light question, but I think we're going to go into some slightly deeper ones, a little more profound. Deep, deep, deep? (laughs) Well, okay, I think we're going to tackle love first because I think this is something that Everyone can really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think this is my friend. Ah. So the question is marriage versus mortgage?
0: I think that really depends on what is important to you. I mean, I would say mortgage because, hey, you can invest in a house, but marriages, uh, you know, the
1: risky (laughs) investment. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I agree, but that's because that's how I feel about marriage. And Daryl, yeah. you know this, right? Like I'm not yeah. crazy about the label. And yes, there are some perks to it, yeah. but at the end of the day, so many people get married because they want something more stable. Yeah. But there is there is just absolutely no guarantee that it's going to give you stability. How many marriages just end up fractured?
1: I think cry in this situation. <laughs> It's pretty clear we're both commitment-phobes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I committed to a mortgage, though. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. That's where you're one one step ahead of me. <laughs> I am still scared of both. I, I still rent. I still haven't bought anything. I don't have anything under my name.
0: Which one do you choose as someone who has committed to neither of those? Yeah. Like if someone held a gun to your head and was like, Daryl, you must pick marriage versus mortgage. Which one would you go for? <sighs> Mortgage for sure. Just <laughs> like having yep. a roof of your own head and exactly. your own place.
1: So so that is mine. So so I don't think so. It's much of a like A commitment because at the end of the day, it's going to be yours. And, uh, you know, property, if you buy the right one, the value only rises, right?
0: Yeah, I think I've just heard too many stories and anecdotes of marriages that started out with so much promise but ended in misery and cheating. I mean, okay, fine, you might buy a house that turns out to be horrible or haunted. I don't know, but I just don't think that could ever hurt you as badly as a betrayal could. Or, you know, the feeling of letting your kids down because you and your spouse just couldn't make it work. Yeah, my two cents.
1: Okay, uh, let's go to the next one, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this one is from a colleague of mine. Are you going back to the one who loves you? Or are you going to stay with the one you love?
0: Mm. So you have to kind of unpack this one a little bit. So are you? do you stick with the one who maybe loves you a little bit more than you love them? And you know they love you wholeheartedly and unconditionally. Mm. And Maybe you're not 100% sold on them, but you know, they love you so much. So they they, they would probably look after you really well. Or... Do you stay with the one that you love even though maybe you know it's a slightly more reckless decision? But I think it really depends what you want out of life. If you don't value falling head over heels in love with somebody Mm. and you're actually okay to settle for something that is practical and sensible... And, you know, it's workable. It's not like it's not workable. Mm. You can make something out of it. But maybe you're just not in love. It's like the difference between being in love with someone and loving someone. Maybe you love them, but you're not in love with them. And maybe you're okay with that. Then it's okay to go back to the one who loves you.
1: I think it's the difference between being a hopeless romantic or being... Practical. A practical partner for the sake of, you know, like buying a house together. (laughs) Buying a (laughs) a car together. Sharing your loans. Um, What do you think is, Raya? The
0: thing is, I don't want to settle. I can't... I can't yeah. settle for someone that I'm not really 100% sold on. And I have been involved with people in the past where they, they ticked every box. It's like, oh, great job. And, oh, career progression for him. Wow, he's going don't somewhere. feel it. Yeah. And like he was, um, he was like moving into, wow, pavilion residences in Kia. Wow. wow, so nice. Wow, And like he really was very jackpot. solid. Say, jackpot. One would think, right? One would think. But I remember I just would hang out with him and I was I was like kind of forcing myself to and I was almost convincing talking myself into yes, okay, yep, this this guy is a good Person to be with, but I wasn't yeah. excited to hang out with him. I remember he was trying to like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. He was like playing Calvin Harris and trying to <laughs> dance in his living room to Calvin Harris with me, and I was just ah yeah yeah. Wow, well, soraya then, yeah.
1: dancing. I mean, it,
0: dancing okay, but dancing with him, um, <laughs> cringe. So I got out of there and I got out of that situation. So yeah. I would always choose the, the person that I love as opposed to the person who is maybe a little more stable but not so exciting. All right, so that's love out of the way. We move on to our questions that we received about careers. This is
1: question Changing jobs in a pandemic while trying to recover from depression, anxiety disorder. Oh hmm. no. I can relate because I remember getting out of a job being depressed Having really bad anxiety, couldn't sleep, mm. couldn't eat probably lost some weight. But of course, not during the pandemic. Uh, this would be way before. I don't think so. I can give you the best advice because I didn't sort of rebound from it. I still have that certain sense of anxiety every time I think about it. It it pisses me off. It gets me angry. Just it's, it's not a recovery. What
0: makes you angry though?
1: Thinking of the whole situation again. Obviously, in my case, the depression and anxiety was the job itself. So it's not that I'm completely over it. Uh, every time I think about it, it it is... Oh, uh, it still
0: comes back to haunt you.
1: I wouldn't say it's traumatic. Yeah, I, it wouldn't ru- ruin my day, but... Like, uh,
0: when you think about it, it still brings back these negative feelings.
1: Yes, yes. And it sort of like makes me feel like I could have done something better within that time.
0: Mm. You know, I
1: could have gotten different experiences Things like that But no, no But now back to the question of of having depression and anxiety All I can say is Time is the best medicine I mean, you could get help You could go meet a therapist Or, you know, speak to really good friends Surround yourself with the best companies Surround yourself with, you know People who could relate to you You know, even if they can't relate to you If you have um, a good pair of listening ears That's good enough If you're having depression from the previous job it only can get better, like, you know. If it's really bad, you know, you can't get any worse.
0: And if you've left that job that gave you that anxiety and depression, yeah. at least you get a fresh start.
1: Exactly. And it teaches you a lot of things, like, you know, how to you know avoid situations like this happening. For example, if the depression is the job itself, the you know, the workload, the people, for example, in your next job, set better expectations. You know, like if, if you face certain kind of hardships in that job, how can you avoid that in the future? You know, you've got to toughen yourself up, you know, know your worth. And, you know, if it's a job that, you know, was too much for you to handle, for example, in your next job, learn how to better manage your time.
0: I want to look at it another way and from a different angle. Um, Let's say it wasn't his old job that triggered the depression, but it so happens he's currently battling depression while he's in the midst of changing jobs. The problem when you change jobs in a pandemic is that you're hit by this double whammy of trying to get accustomed to your new workload. But a lot of people are also still working from home. So you might change jobs and be stuck working from home. Mm. So you're isolated. You don't have your colleagues to really show you the ropes as maybe in detail as it would if you were all in the same workplace, right? Because one of my friends changed jobs during the pandemic and she was just all alone for the first few weeks and she felt really lost and very isolated. So if that's his concern, if that is the concern, then I think expectations are absolutely what we should think about because before you go into it, manage your own expectations and tell yourself that, you know, things are going to be a little tricky for now because I don't have the guidance of everyone around me. But it's going to be like this for a while. It's not going to be like this forever. Our next question, is it too late to make a 180 degree change in your career path when you're in your 30s? Absolutely not. I think it's fine.
1: I I can't say for for sure because like, you know, I'm not 30 yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, Daryl. Way to make me feel old.
1: (laughs) To me, a change of career it's regardless right it should it's it all boils down to what you're really interested in it all boils down to your happiness it all boils down to you know what your goals are right ideally in this situation if i'm in my 30s and i find an industry in which i feel i'm better fit for why the hell not mm-hmm. you
0: know i mean everyone says that you know learning is a lifelong journey. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think that it's really never too late to pick up new skills. And if you sort of see yourself as like, oh, man, I built up a certain amount of experience in this particular industry. Oh, no, I'm leaving it all behind. Yes, that may be so. But you're gaining skills in another different industry Correct. In, a, in a completely different field. And I think that experience will be valuable no matter what. I mean, I don't know, like, I don't think you're leaving a corporate job to be a dishwasher like I don't yeah, <laughs> I <mean. laughs> and if you, even if, if that was fulfilling to you, go ahead. Hey, washing dishes are uh, techniques so you can learn one, you know. <laughs>
1: did you I'm see the crowd take it <laughs> but anyway speaking of which it actually reminded me of this advice which I've gotten from a close friend of ours mm. Mr. Shankar Santoro <gasps> oh,
0: you shout know, out to Shankar
1: <laughs> because I remember we had a couple of conversations when I you know was thinking of moving jobs which was in a completely different industry but he always mentioned to me you know when, when you move jobs regardless of your experience regardless of your age always focus on your transferable skills because oh like when you move on to another job there is a certain strength which you will carry for sure there are some skills which is transferable. If you're eyeing another job, which is a completely different discipline, always look at the strengths that you can carry rather than where you're lacking, where you've got to learn and stuff like that. Ah, always look at that.
0: That's a really good way to approach it, I think.
1: Yeah, that sort of motivated me and, and gave me a better insight. Because in all honesty, before you you know start a particular role, you'll have zero clue on what you'll learn. You'll only learn it once you're already on the job. So, I mean, like it's it's a risk for sure. But you know, if it's a risk worth taking, why not, lah?
0: Plus, remember that you will always have that previous experience you accumulated before the change. Uh, it doesn't get erased, right? If you choose to go back to that industry, you can fully capitalize on that, right? So that's career sorted. Okay. Next one. So, with talk of career comes talk of money. Yeah, <laughs> they okay. always go this hand one's in a bit hand. Tricky. <laughs> okay, so this one comes from
1: an um, ex guest. An ex guest.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Okay, her question is about feeling guilty at not doing enough to make money. Ooh, Is it something that you experienced, Daryl? Do you ever feel guilty that you're not making enough money? Or are you making enough money? I don't know your salary.
1: <laughs> um, uh, obviously, I mean, like, if there's more money, better lah, <laughs> la, eh, you know? But to be really honest, I've never really felt this. Of course, I've had peers who are earning way more, probably even twice as much as me. But there's always a way in which you're more content. Be it your job satisfaction be it you know work
0: life balance work
1: life balance be it your friends that you have there's always a way in which you're you're having an upper hand always look at um you know where you're doing better sometimes having a friend who's earning more money than you doesn't mean that he's doing way better than you you know mm-hmm. he may earn x amount of money but he's probably not having the time of his life you know that's that's what I'm saying don't beat yourself too hard just and, enjoy the process yeah
0: maybe don't compare yourself I mean to follow one of our previous episodes mm. don't compare yourself too much to how much your other peers are earning because that is going to intensify those feelings of guilt yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean maybe if it helps don't discuss salary with your friends but it also depends on your personality right because I find I'm like you I don't really covet the salaries yeah, of the yeah. others for me I earn enough I'm happy I'm not chasing a higher salary all the time because mm. I think we chase job satisfaction yeah. and we chase Um, you know things that really fulfill us Mm. and really feed our souls oh my gosh I'm sorry I went all eat pray love there but you know what I mean as long as it nourishes some part of you I think yeah but you know what if you are feeling guilty at not making more money and you want to I think there are lots of avenues right Yeah. there are things you could do like freelancing or investments side gigs I guess think about your talents and how you can monetize them so our next question is also about money and career I guess the two are tied in in this question which is how to earn Earn money while not hating your job, which I presume means how do you earn money doing a job that you love?
1: Well, so in this question, I'm assuming that she's doing what she likes, but not earning as much as as she would like. Ah, (laughs) That's that's what we're
0: both assuming here.
1: So I think my comment on this question would be if you're doing what you really like and, you know, naturally, you would probably do it well, right? People will recognise your hard work and, you know, literally, there's only good that can come from it. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you're doing a decent job. People like your work. There's only good that can come from it, you know? I mean, like, if people can't see your worth, then probably it's best to move somewhere else where you'll enjoy better.
0: I actually think this ties in with our previous question about Mm. um, feeling guilty at not making enough money. Right, right. It's like you said, you know, there's a trade-off sometimes and sometimes you get benefits from something that really uh, have nothing to do with money. And for me, I think speaking from my own experience, I was in a program that was a management associate program. So you have to rotate around the company, right? And I remember being in finance and the people were sweet, really sweet, but I just didn't love the work. And I know that if I had stayed on, maybe if I had stuck to that department and really given it my all and risen, you know, risen to the top, I would probably be earning way more than what I'm earning right now. (laughs) But I would have been miserable. Mm. So it is sometimes, sometimes there is a trade-off. Like I took a route that was different that they gives me things that that are not really tied to yeah. how much I earn.
1: Yeah, I mean like if Shreya became a you know really good financier, we wouldn't have, you know, the light uh, <laughs> <the> like <light> DJ <laughs> You probably
0: wouldn't have This podcast right now So
1: <laughs> Yeah You know I think like At the end of the day My opinion on this is Like you know If the moment we start Feeling insecure about Our income Our salary I mean like Unless it's detrimental To your living conditions Or anything like that I mean like If, if it's not to that extent If it's just a matter of You know You feeling that You want to earn more I think People will reach a point Where you know How much they get They'll always feel like they deserve more. Mm-hmm. You know, you may earn probably an extra K, for example, in the following year, and you'll still probably feel like, hmm, maybe I deserve more. Maybe I should be working harder for more. I mean, like that 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 feeling of
0: wanting more, wanting more, wanting to earn more.
1: insecure, you know, it will still be there. Because I think the bulk of the problem is not how much you're earning. The bulk of the problem is your want for more. That feeling will probably never get away.
0: I do think it is good to chase progress and to push ourselves, yes. But I think... The drive to earn more should be balanced out with other considerations. You know, am I sacrificing too much in my pursuit to have more? Am I forcing myself to do something that is soul crushing or just makes me question my integrity just to have more, you know?
1: Our last and final question from one of our listeners. This is the last part of the podcast uh, where we're going to, you know, categorize this as looking for purpose. Yeah, our listener says 25 year old male. I don't know what my purpose is and where I fit in this world
0: when I first got this question, mm. I was like okay this is this is a tough one because I think we're all trying to figure that out right for some, they know very quickly and they are fortunate to right. develop that purpose and that driving force at a very early age. Mm. And then there's some of us who kind of like, you know, meander around wondering what is, what, what is going to push me forward in this life? I link purpose with passion very much. Right. Uh, maybe because of the job that I do and because for me it's very intertwined. But you know, at the same time, like not everyone is privileged enough to have. Correct. Purpose and passion. Some people are just, you know, in a job, for example, where they really just need to... You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You have to put food on the table. And that's just the way it is, right? It's hard to think about saving the world when you need to save your family. Right. My my advice would be don't beat yourself up too much if you haven't found it yet. Mm. But also, here's another thought that I had, you know, maybe purpose, it doesn't have to be like an active action. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always have to be like, all right, I'm going to run five marathons this year and I'm going to improve on my speed and all that. I mean, that's actually really good. That's great if you have that. But maybe it doesn't have to be something so tangible like that. Maybe it can also be, you know, when they say my purpose is to be the best version of myself through all these different things, but maybe it doesn't have to be that. Mm. Maybe it can also be being the best version of yourself in the sense that are you a good person? Are right. you a really good person to the people you love? Are you trying to be good to yourself? Yeah, I think even that is a form of purpose and I think maybe we need to sort of widen the definitions of what purpose right. is. So
1: sometimes maybe purpose isn't something very big and very ambiguous. Sometimes, you know, the smallest purpose like, you know, being a good person, for example, or being a good employee for your company or something like that. So I think small purposes like this, sometimes it paves the way to a, a bigger purpose. So I think sometimes focusing too much on a Really big, very ambiguous purpose sometimes can be very detrimental as well. So I think you know it's important sometimes to look at smaller things in life
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. and sort of look at these small wins and pat yourself on the back for that and say uh, that is something to still be proud of. Yeah. But I do understand where this listener is coming from because I think society tends to actually really valorize these huge, ambitious, lofty purposes. Right. But like going back to what I said, it's not something that everyone can immediately find naturally straight away. Or some people do not have the privilege to sort of interrogate who they are and discover that purpose for themselves.
1: And... It actually reminds me of my college days. So when I was in college, I was part of this organization called ISAC, right? So it's a leadership organization that promotes student exchanges abroad and stuff like that. So when we just joined, there's a lot of emphasis for us to have better self-awareness, to understand what we want to do in the future. So not about, you know, having ambitions that I want to be an engineer, I want to be a, a good doctor in the future. It's more about the deeper side of things. You know, I want to contribute towards society in, in this sense. I want to help people, in this end because, you know, for example, I I can relate to their pain. So it's, it's more social purpose. Back then, having exposed to people like this who are so passionate on, on you know, whatever you may be, me coming from an environment where I was not too exposed to this kind of thing. So it was very difficult for me to find a particular purpose that I, you know... Like a social felt, cause. A social cause, it, for example, that I that I really felt for. Yeah, there, there was a certain sense of awareness, but I still didn't, like, you know, feel it. Feel it. But at the end of the day, what I realized is that sometimes you will find your purpose when you stop forcing yourself to have certain feelings or certain alignment towards a particular cause. Mm. But... The purpose is which process you enjoy the most. For example, I remember doing this project for underprivileged kids. But at the same time, you know, you feel sad for them. But you didn't enjoy the process. It doesn't make you a bad person. But it just says that, you know, your passion lies elsewhere. Um, Sometimes, you know, it's good. And kudos to this guy. Yeah, he's only twenty five years old. The fact that he's twenty five years old and you're starting to figure out what where your, your passion lies, I think that's a good step forward itself. Yeah. You know? Because the moment you start realizing that you need to, to have a certain passion where, you'll put more effort into looking for it.
0: And also when you talked about Isaac, I know, I know you said don't force it, right? Mm. But maybe you could also try the alternative, which is try a lot of different things. I know I said purpose doesn't always have to be an active action, but if mm. you want to look at it as an active action, if you can take that route, that's fine. So then maybe put yourself out there, try different things, try volunteering for all kinds of different organizations. Yeah. You know, if one cause doesn't excite you, maybe there will be another one that will, right? If you're knocking on one door, and you're like, yeah, still not opening. Huh? Well, maybe another, another one, door another open, door, yeah. but you got to find that door first. Eventually, I think you will come across that door that you knock and open. You're like, hey, I'm in the room.
1: Talking about all of this actually reminded me of a script that I was working on this week for a video, right? So it was meant to be a little bit philosophical so i'm not that guy that kind of guy you know i'm not poetic i'm not (laughs) philosophical but i i end up you know having to do the script and i remember researching quotes researching philosophical papers and stuff just to slowly understand what it means and i came across this quote i don't mean to be cheesy (laughs) right okay so it says finding meaning in things is not to do things differently but It's about seeing things in familiar ways, looking at unfamiliar things in a more familiar way, Mm. looking at things out of your comfort zone and looking for bits and pieces out of it, which you think you may enjoy. So I think, yeah, that's that's one thing I learned this week. (laughs) So
0: do you think it applies to this question?
1: You know, sometimes looking for your purpose and passion, it, it it doesn't sort of present itself out there as it is. But sometimes, uh, you know, perspective of, of the things that you do actually determines, that it actually can tell whether, you know, you may be passionate about it or not. At the same time, you know, if you're a pessimist, right, and you're out there to look for your passions... It's a bit more difficult But if you if you have an open mind You're a bit more optimistic You, you want to look for positive in things Then probably it's much easier If you think of it that way lah.
0: Mm, So try everything Keep an open mind You know, don't force yourself to have a purpose If you're not feeling it
1: yeah, yeah, just enjoy the process Take things positively Put yourself out there Meet more people You know, who knows
0: Who knows You'll find the door I'm still going back to the door <laughs> mm. Because I think our next guest is waiting at the door So we gotta go get him now <laughs> So we actually got uh, a lot more questions, but we didn't have the time to answer them all. But that's not the only reason why we didn't address them. Mm-hmm. We also thought that some of them were so fascinating, they deserved an episode of their own.
1: You can always let us know what your concerns are about our episodes, or you have an idea on, on you know, what angles we could use to um, you know, target our uh, topics better. Just let us know. Who knows? You may be our next guest.
0: That's right. Uh, you can always drop us a DM at Quarter Life Crisis Shock, which is spelled S Y O K. Now, if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, they were done by the same guy who's done all the, <laughs> the intros and outros. <laughs> he is Nidusmas Music. That's N I D U S M A S Music. And that's Samsudin Backwards Music.
1: So I think that's it for this episode. Um, we'll see you in the next one. I'm Daryl. I'm Soraya.
0: Bye. Bye. Oh, <laughs> my